Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to LJN Radio, the source for experience insight into all things employment-related. This is the LJN Radio Quad, where three of our own knowledgeable team members will join me to get some detailed perspective on a variety of subjects. I'm Tim Muma, and with me in the studio today, we have Liz Dotson. Hello, hello. Making her long-anticipated return to LJN Radio, <laughs> Jacqueline Peterson. Thank you for having me. And Welcome here back. in her, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing welcomes. <laughs> and then also her debut in the LJN Radio Quad, to my left, Sarah Holloway. Hello. All right. Well, no time to waste. We always have some great topics to jump into. So let's get to number one. And that involves something that I use all the time personally. I'm sure most of us in here do. All of you listening probably use it as well. Liz, what do you have for us? Email. Yes. So we're all leaving our email right now to have this conversation about email. <laughs> and I'm anxious about that. I need to check my email like right now. But Right now. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I do have uh, a couple preliminary questions here before we go into the content. But how fast do you usually reply to emails at work? Within 15 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, few hours, a day, a week, more than a week? It all depends. Yeah. It On all average, depends. what would you say? Um, soon within twenty four <laughs> hours. Yeah, probably within, say, within yeah, a few within, hours. Within the, the day. It I, depends on what the reply requires. Yeah, yeah. on average urgency. I'd say mm -hmm. within a few hours. If you're going on the average, because like you said, there'll be sometimes it'll be a day, sometimes it'll be rather immediate. So I'd say a f every few hours. You, yeah, usually within the day, if not within the next twenty four hours. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, based on a survey that was done, most people replied actually 32% within 15 minutes. Wow. Whoa. I was really surprised about that. <laughs> the 23% was within 30 minutes. Wow. wow. Well. Pretty quick people out there. I guess. Because okay. I'm not as bad as I thought. Next one is when you send a work-related email with a question, when do you expect that response? It depends. <laughs> if you put in a sense of urgency... You know, you put high importance. I usually, usually have a deadline in my emails. Yeah. If they require a response. See, that's smart to do the deadline. Mm -hmm. But then if they don't require a response, then I guess I don't really expect a response. Yeah. yeah. Well, it turns out we're a little more forgiving, um, <laughs> actually, than what people do to respond. They say 15 to 30 minutes, but they expect people to get back within a day is what's most common. So we had 23% at that. And then the next percentage was 22% at within an hour. Within Pretty big span hour. there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how do you organize your emails? There's a couple options here. You put them in a specific folder, you archive them, and you don't do anything to organize them. What bucket do we fall in? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely organize mine. I have rules. <laughs> uh, because m most of my emails are very focused toward one thing, I tend not to organize most of them, Ooh. but I do have specific ones that will then fall mm -hmm. into place. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll Tim, you fall into the 24% bucket. Okay. The rest of us, we fall into the 62% yes. bucket, putting them into <laughs> folders. I like being special. The folders really aren't just the only way you can manage your email. And I think that's where this discussion is leading is, what are some of those tips out there? Because I know sometimes I'll watch people do their email and I'm like, wait, what did you do? How did you organize that? What, do you, what did you set up? You know, rules I learned like five years ago, but I probably could have used that information 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what do you guys find as helpful when managing your email? Uh, one of the things that I do that's 
I do on a daily basis and saves me a lot of time is because I have I have inbox and then I have an inbox too. And anything oh. that's an inbox too, it's just a folder. Just <laughs> anything that, you know, is done with anything that's in my inbox is something that I need to respond to. Once I've done doing whatever it is that I needed to do with it, then I move it to inbox two and then everything's in inbox two. And then I have other folders. But hmm. I'm speaking generally. In inbox one, which is where all the new emails are coming in mm-hmm. throughout the day, I always Always, if I check my email, click on unread on the top. Do you guys know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they, and then it shows me them right away. Okay. Yeah. And then I can just trash what I don't need and then keep what I want versus having them all mixed in with the ones that have already been read. And then I'm like scrolling. Right. Oh, that's good. I scroll. No, See? don't scroll. Tip learned. Tip learned. Click on oh, unread wow. and then they just pop up. And then you're just like, delete, delete, delete. Oh, save that one. Delete, delete, delete. Wow. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, uh, let's see, for me, <laughs> like I said, most I do keep. <laughs> You're special. Mr. Non-organizer I'm trying to determine the best way to put this. No, I, I do honestly try to respond relatively quickly with a lot of my stuff for those who know or don't know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with guests and getting them on shows and just like anything, the longer I wait, I see as an opportunity pass by. So a lot of times I respy, reply immediately um, and then, um, you know, I'll keep track of a lot of that just in a sent folder. And I also have a folder with that just indicating I contacted that person so I can keep track of that. But when it comes to just the regular inbox, I like Jacqueline. I like your idea of just having kind of that separate, mm-hmm. just two inboxes essentially. So at least it's organized in that capacity. Uh, and then again, I have individual folders for different people that I need to get in touch with and that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as like prioritization, it's always for me, obviously timeliness. I think everybody understands that. But the other thing for me I've always been big is, is this going to affect somebody else's job? Um, so if it's something within the team or if management needs something or, you know, maybe a team member's waiting on a piece of information, that I will separate from the rest of everything just to make sure I, I know I get back to that because it can so quickly get lost in, mm-hmm. in the avalanche of emails we get. So that's my little thing that I do. I think I need to do a lot more. <laughs> I just realized <laughs> That's why that. we're here to learn. <laughs> I um I have rules set up, and sometimes I use the color categorization hmm. rules, or uh you know you can set colors like red for urgent or green for marketing, things like that. But I think uh yeah, from hearing you guys, <laughs> I need to do a lot more, which actually would probably help, especially um, when you're managing other uh, you know direct reports. You have to follow up on those emails. You have people higher up management you know so yeah i need to need to get going on that <laughs> and that's why we have these quads it's a it's a good discussion point so i think off to a good start unless liz you had anything else you want to add with that i've just read some other tips and i think uh they say uh, in closing if you want to receive less email send less email <laughs> which kind of makes See, sense makes a lot I don't of sense know about that because <laughs> it's like i like to use my email for documenting my conversations too mm-hmm. and actually I think, Jacqueline, we had a discussion a long time ago about that. And even if you have a conversation with somebody, it's helpful to just, like, follow up, send an email summarizing your conversation. So then it's always there. You can always refer back to it. And, yeah, you'll have that documentation. Yeah. So. Sarah, Uh, send more email. Good tip. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Liz is looking at me like, don't. (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) Well, uh, you obviously have to determine that for yourself, more or less emails. <laughs> but either way, have some rules set up, maybe some folders, uh, whatever works for you, because, uh, again, we're all different. Uh, moving on here, email, obviously, a great technological uh, way to communicate. 
Another is social media, things like Facebook and Twitter. However, it's not the only thing people are using social media for. Sarah, you have a little different take on this area. Yes. Um, I actually read an article recently, uh, Rappler, who is a social media monitoring service, they um, conducted a survey and of uh, 300 professionals who people are who are involved with the recruiting process for their company. They surveyed them to see if they're using social media networks for their screening of applicants. So I wanted to get your take on should we be doing this or is it you know fair to the job seeker or you know if we do do this, at what point should we do this? Hmm. I think it's a great debate that's out there right now. And <laughs> I it's think like it the all vaccine depends debate. <laughs> <laughs> I do you or don't you? <laughs> so let me give the response of it really depends on the company. Um, you know, obviously, social media has its its benefits and you can learn a lot more beyond just what's on the resume. I think there's probably a right time and place for that. And I think, you know, a lot of the legal concerns there is the discrimination piece. Right. And, you know, that's where. I have heard people make the recommendation that you do it at the point of reference checks where you've already, you know, gone through the mm-hmm. interviewing stage. Sure. You already know about them. It's just kind of solidifying one way or another because obviously people can learn a lot more mm-hmm. uh, about the individual through their profiles. Uh, job seekers on the other end might want to just make sure that their profiles <laughs> will help them get the job, not hurt them from not getting it. And I think that is part of the key. I'm, you know, we do webinars here and we do podcasts and talking about that stuff and just Mm-hmm. As a job seeker or even as an employee in general, you just you need to know that, look, if you're putting something out there, it could come back to hurt you or could help you in a way also, depending on what it is you have out there online. From the employer's point of view, I mean, I, I understand that you want every single piece of information possible. Mm-hmm. And, and especially if there's like a tiebreaker situation, gosh, these two candidates are so close and, and we really are uh, not really sure. Maybe you find something that you know, weeds them out, so to speak, or, um, you know, and I don't think it can be something as little as, oh, they have some, they have some photos on there of them at a party. Well, I mean, we've all been to parties and maybe it was from 10 years ago. Now, granted, that could hurt the job seeker, but if it was something from 10 years ago or you see they're way younger, okay, it happens. You know, I think it's more of it's something more serious if you're talking that they are, you know, belligerent online somewhere, they're being aggressive toward a certain, you know, gender or race, or, or you're really getting into lines where you would not want that type of employee working there. Again, it is very much a gray area and you talk about discrimination, and, but, you know, being able to prove that is difficult. So, um, again, you got to find out what that, that niche is for you as an employer, but as a job seeker, just understand that your image is your image. You control what it has out there for the most part um, and just understand that that can help you or hurt you in the long run. Yeah, I, I just to kind of piggyback off of that, I think the article, Sarah, that you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, shows some graphs of why you rejected candidates and then also what mm-hmm. why you've actually hired them. And I think to Tim's point, more than anything, is that job seekers need to just know that whether the employer is or isn't using social media, it's there mm-hmm. and they can. And it can definitely help you. Um, some of the ones that I liked was that it, it you know, 39% said that it gave a positive impression of their personality uh, and potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, 34% that um, says that they're t- able to get good references mm. from others. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely things that would help hire candidates in the same breath. You know, there's things that uh, the candidates were rejected for, posting negative comments about an employer. Well, 
I mean, that's, <laughs> a, yeah. that's a fair question that a lot of times we ask in the interview anyway is, mm-hmm. you know, tell me a little bit about your previous employer. And if you're hiring that candidate and they speak ill about them, that shows um, maybe it's not as professional. I mean, that's something that you want to avoid in an interview. And if you're doing that on your social media, I mean, it's it's the same. It's thing. the same question. Yeah. Right. Another one, you know, uh, lied about their qualifications. Well, obviously, you know, <laughs> you've got to be honest yeah. about that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, whether they find it on social media or, or you lie about it in an interview. Again, that's a question mm-hmm. that would have come up in the interview. And then the last one here um, that I think seems reasonable is uh, posting content about using drugs. I mean, if it's against your company policy to use drugs, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. different states have different regulations, but if in your state, it's illegal to use certain drugs and you're posting comments about it. I think that that's, again, it's something that you're going to have to sort of own up to. So I think to Tim's point, regardless of what's going to come out of it, you just have to know that it's there and employers do have access to it. So just keep that in mm-hmm. mind. Well, I think just just think about your own personal use of, you know, Google obviously gets all the play, but any search engine online, it's so simple. You hear about somebody, you meet somebody. For myself, I'm looking up information on a guest. I know guests have looked up information on me to make sure it's all good. (laughs) Just type someone's name in Google, stuff's going to come up. And the question is, what is it? Is it going to be positive? You know, like for me, I think it's like, you know, LinkedIn profile. And then it's basically all the radio shows we've done for Mm -hmm. the most part. So that's a positive. If something comes up that, you know, you were arrested for something or that you were writing this or that, I mean, look, just understand that it's going to be, it's going to have an impact one way or the other. Yeah. And if the employer is not doing the one to uh, look on social media, you can bet the coworkers yeah. probably are <laughs> when they come on board. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll switch gears a little bit here. Uh, something that came to mind for me as far as a topic that had to do with the Super Bowl, not necessarily the game itself. As we're recording this, it did happen just a few days ago. Um, but actually, the advertisements, of course, conversation turns to those commercials. Some people watch the Super Bowl only for those commercials. Uh, but it got me thinking. When a company is going to advertise something or maybe promote a sale or a special of some kind, is there or are there really certain things that should be off limits as far as topics go? And the reason it was top of mind for me, for those who don't know or hadn't heard, Nationwide ran a spot during the Super Bowl that basically has this kid. He looks like he's about eight or nine, about the age of my older son. Um, And he said, I'm never going to learn how to ride a bike. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to do this and that. And then he's on screen with an open window behind him, like on the second floor. And it says, because I died from a preventable accident. And it was just like, oh, like just off-putting and a little disturbing. Then they have images of like an overflowing bathtub and an open uh, open cabinet with mm-hmm. obviously chemicals, a uh, smash TV that looked like it fell on the floor, which of course the implication there is that it was a child that, you know, was, was killed by it. And it's just very off-putting and you know, the question, you know, Nationwide put out a statement later and said, hey, we were just trying to get the discussion going. We want awareness to understand that so many of these accidents happen. And I completely get that. So maybe they did their job because this conversation's happening. But as Sarah, you and I are talking before the show, at what cost? Because now mm-hmm. people have this negative impression of like, you're just trying to like scare us into buying insurance for our kids. Um, my two boys were watching at the time. This was early on in the mm-hmm. game. And they kind of looked at me like, what the heck? Like, what was that? Like, almost like, do I need to be worried about all these things now? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't their intention, but it just, you know, I've seen other examples around 9-11 where people have like, oh, a special today, $9.11 for, for this product or whatever. It's like, oh, no, that's not how you commemorate something like that. It's just in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much experience with that type of area. All three of you have experience with customer service and, and working with people and marketing. 
Um, so I just want to get your thought on areas that should be off, maybe off uh, limits or at least proceed with extreme caution kind of thing. When I saw that commercial, I too was like, what the heck What <laughs> did I just watch? And it did make me feel depressed and sad. And But, you know, marketing, a good ad will pull those emotions out of the audience, mm-hmm. no matter what, if it's happy or sad. Now, I always try to keep it lighter and because people do relate to humor a lot. Seems like it. Compared to, you know, this negative uh, emotion Um, and just play it safe and just be humorous. There's a a fine line of being tacky, which, yeah, I mean, the 9-11, I I don't agree with. I mean, that's it's kind of like it cheapens your image as well. So you want to be careful with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, try not to take sides into, like, religious beliefs, political views, things like that. So, you know, just play it safe. Just do make people laugh. I would, <laughs> you know, that's how I. Well, and like we talked about, then people took that ad and they took the kid and, you know, for people who know what memes are. And then they turn it into a humorous thing like, oh, I would have, you know, again, relating to the Super Bowl, I would have done this for that last play but I was dead. And it was the kid on the face. Oh. And it's like, right. And you laugh that's at it. I mean, so look, it's, you, so you, know, you know that kid's oh. not really dead. But the fact that that's how they were treating it. It's kind of eerie, though. Right, yeah. exactly. So I think people actually are trying to use it humorous in a different way to be like, we don't want to think about like that reality. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how about you two? I, I mean, <laughs> tragedy, death, anything along those lines, I think is a, it's, it's a no. <laughs> I think what it is, it's, it's the fact that they used a child. And I think that, you know, children are supposed to be like the untouchable. Like we just we don't go there with kids. And I think that's the issue with the ad. Mm -hmm. That is. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Like if it was just an adult down there talking about those things. And I mean, maybe it wouldn't have the same impact. Again, that's the question. Those visuals were. But did Nationwide get out of it what they really want? I guess it's that balance. of. Well, I'm going to say no, because I didn't pick up that I was supposed to get life insurance for my kid. (laughs) Right. What did you pick up? I was like, I I had the same reaction that you guys had, which was, oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. (laughs) And then I was more distracted by what I just saw versus getting the message of, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to insure my kid in case there's an accident. Right. Or be careful of these. Like, I would have seen it be more beneficial if you're giving us in that commercial, like, how to protect a child from this situation. I mean, a lot of it seems like common sense. Don't don't leave your two-year-old in a bathtub alone. Yeah. Lock up the chemicals. Make sure the TV's secure. I mean, it seems like maybe that's what's off-putting, too. It's like, really? Like, you don't think I do that stuff? I don't know. Maybe that was like insulting. Are you trying to tell me? (laughs) I mean, I know stuff happens, but is there anything else that either you, Jacqueline, or Liz see as like off limits? I mean, Jacqueline, you mentioned kids seem kind of. I feel like just generally speaking, I think as a society in general, I think, yeah, kids are pretty much untouchable. I think I think that's Mm -hmm. the part that was probably the most offensive to people who were offended by it. Right. I wasn't necessarily offended by it, but sure. I was just kind of more like, oh, what was that all about? <laughs> but um, but I think that that's the problem is, or I guess if it is a problem, is it <laughs> is that, you know, that it's like, wow, you used a kid. And I was thinking if I was the parent of that kid, would I have let my kid do that commercial? Hmm. Chances are I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. Um, but overall, I think the message, listen, people are going to play on different different angles all the time. Right. You've got mm-hmm. com- comedy, you've got um you know more serious dramas. Do I have an opinion one way or another 
of how someone's going to deliver their message. No, but it's about perception, perspective, and how you want the message to be perceived, essentially. Mm. I didn't get the message <laughs> that I think maybe it was intended. Sure. So maybe it wasn't effective. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, the whole tragedy, death thing, kids, no. Yeah. It's yeah, just that is an off yeah. limits. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. It's an unsaid... But I also agree with Sarah on the politics and the religion piece and any of those mm-hmm. controversial topics that tend to come up in political <laughs> it's like uh, debates and such, you know, right. people's positions on mm-hmm. things. Too personal. I think yeah. that's the thing is you that's can't get too personal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I but it bring... got us talking. Yeah. It sure did. did. <laughs> and it also brought the tone down here a little bit. And... <laughs> uh, well, to close things out today, we're doing something a little bit different uh, as we have brought Jacqueline back to the show. Uh, she's been studying up on all things OFCCP related, <laughs> becoming our resident expert. Uh, Jacqueline, what do you have for us today? Yeah. So for our listeners out there, I'm not MIA or AWOL or whatever it is. <laughs> I've been doing other stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm focusing now on a lot on OFCCP, the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, and just kind of uh, learning a little bit more about their executive orders and the regulations. And that's a lot of what we do here at localjobnetwork.com is is uh, helping federal contractors with uh, staying compliant when they're doing hiring, because obviously that's definitely our forte here. So focusing more on that, and I just wanted to share an update. I don't know if you guys heard about it, um, but back in July of last year, President Obama signed an executive order. Order 13672, which basically updates the executive order 11246, which is, um, you know, to uh, not discriminate, you know, prohibits discrimination um, on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. So I just wanted to let you guys know that that has um, been passed. So all of our federal contractors will now have to comply with that. And it'll go into compliance in April, April 2015. So employers just have to update EEO taglines. They have to update their EEO clause. And they can use just a simple statement just as equal opportunity employer. But if they do choose to sort of list out all the protected groups like Mm. women, veterans, individuals with disabilities, then they will have to list out sexual identity and uh, our sexual orientation, gender identity. So play it safe, equal opportunity employer. That's nice. There's that option. Yeah. yeah. I think because there was a little bit of confusion, yep. some employers were actually listing out all the groups. Okay. Um, but then your EEO tagline ends up being a paragraph. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we were talking to some of the um, OFCCP. Uh, actually, I was talking to the Mid- Midwest uh, Regional Director a couple days ago, uh, Bradley Anderson of... Um, you know, he's at, he's down in Chicago and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, equal opportunity employers, fine. But again, the caveat is if you're an employer that chooses to list out all the protected groups, then you have to list out uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. But there's no data requirements. Employers don't have to collect any sort of data. You don't have to solicit your applicants about, uh, you know, sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, and most people don't discriminate against it anyway. It's just it's just getting in and writing. That's all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point, bringing it up, just making sure people understand that that is an update, that it is there. So that's why we have Jacqueline in here to, to bring up that <laughs> update so that people understand that where where everybody's at with that. So hopefully hopefully these updates will help as well. And um, just keeping that sort of, uh, you know, up to date as we talk. Yeah. And I do want to make one more comment. The EEO poster, the Equal uh, Opportunity um law poster. Mm-hmm. I think they haven't updated it since 09, but it's getting updated this year. So oh. you can keep using the one that you currently have, um, but then keep an eye out for the new one because it'll come this year and it'll have sexual orientation, gender identity on it. So good. Just something okay. to keep in mind. All right. Perfect. 
Well, that will be all the time we have for today's episode. As usual, we touched on a wide variety of subjects, and we do hope we provided you with plenty of info that you can use in your own place of work or maybe even at home in some cases with your email. Now, if you'd like to suggest a future topic for the quad or for any of our LJN Radio podcasts, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. And if you're interested in checking out more podcasts and expert guests, head over to ljnradio.com or iTunes, and you'll have all of our podcasts at your fingertips. For Liz Dotson, Jacqueline Peterson, and Sarah Holloway, I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. Later.